Welcome to Tech Talk Live, a resource produced by Vision Forward. Low vision and blindness technology, tips, tricks, and information presented in a way that makes sense. And now, here are your hosts, Corey and Luke. Hello, 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 and welcome to Tech Talk Live. We are live here on November the 11th. It is 2021, but not for too much longer. And my name is Luke Scriven, and I am here with the one and only... Corey Ballard. Corey Ballard. I, I missed last Tech Talk Live. I apologize. Yeah. You should. Uh, but I am very uh, happy to see... Uh, uh, thank you to Tom for coming on, but I was happy to see mm. you were running that thing solo. It's like you didn't even need me here. Well, I wouldn't say that. It was a little bit stressful, but yeah. we got through it. We got you through did. to the end, and good that's the job. main thing. It was a good job. Yeah, so I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the show last week when we were talking, or two weeks ago, should I say, when yeah. we were talking to Tom Persky from Iris Vision about the Iris Vision Inspire. But yes, I'm very glad to have Corey back with us here on this rainy Thursday. It is kind of rainy. You know, mm -hmm. we had crazy good weather here in Milwaukee. Yeah. 60s, mid-60s over the weekend. It was beautiful. But I, I have a feeling, yeah, obviously, fall, winter is yep. coming. I think There's we are officially on the downward trend. But right, luckily, though. for all of our people here today, you know that myself and Corey will be keeping you warm oh, throughout the yes, winter. You can snuggle up. Like we're like a warm fire. <laughs> Although I'm excited to bring some assist, uh, snow-related assistive technology in December, maybe. Oh, yeah, um, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, some kind of automated sled. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Zoomax products. Oh, the snow. <laughs> nice. But no, I'm talking about some kind of accessible sledding. Oh. Or ice skates that you can ask Alexa to go forward. I don't know. Okay, well, I actually do happen to know, Corey, that you yeah. yourself are a keen sledder in the winter months. I have been yeah. known to sled once or twice. Exactly. So if there's any Toboggan. authority on uh, on accessible sledding here, I think yeah. that you might be the one. Could be. Yeah, yeah. If anybody else enjoys <laughs> enjoys accessible sledding in the winter, please let us know in the chat. Talking of which, the chat is the place to put all of your comments and uh, questions, and of course, jokes. We do enjoy jokes. We do. Mm -hmm. we do. So uh, please feel free to uh, to put anything into the chat. Then we'll be happy to read it out on the show. And Corey, what are we talking about on the show today? Well, today we have a special guest with us talking <laughs> about accessible gaming. And it's going to be, uh, I think, a very interesting topic. And I think we're going to kind of cover all different areas of accessible gaming. Mm -hmm. um, and then even talk a little bit. Uh, I'm going to try to sneak in some uh, audio game talk from back when I first started doing audio games back in the day as well, too. But Excellent. I'm going to let you, uh, mm. well, do we, we can, let's introduce our guest and let's then introduce they can take part guest. in our joke here. So today, joining us, we have Jesse Anderson, and he works with the state of Minnesota. Jesse, would you like to say hello? Hello. Awesome. And uh, Jesse also is uh, is a big accessible gaming knowledge base. And a, a fellow YouTuber. And a fellow star. YouTuber, the Illegally Cited YouTube channel. Uh, Jesse, yep. tell us about the Illegally Cited YouTube channel. Yeah, well, um, I started it, believe it or not, way back in 2012, uh, oh, just wow. kind of on one of those on a whim things. And um, <clears throat> I wanted to do something in gaming. I had thought about podcasting. Um, and then a friend of mine and I, we kind of just wanted to show each other's projects in Minecraft and other things. And and then I thought, well, you know, there's so many of these other gaming channels. What can make it, what can make Illegally Cited um, different? Yeah. And I thought, well, that's actually pretty easy. Uh, there, at the time, there weren't all that many people with uh, disabilities, be it vision impairment or otherwise, uh, that we're doing that kind of a thing. And so I kind of took the accessibility angle to it and, you know, looked at how uh, games that worked well, that didn't work well, um, and, um, you know, showing things about game and technology accessibility. And the whole illegally cited thing came from, you know, when anytime when you're vision impaired and you get introduced to somebody and everyone's like, well, you know, then they they automatically jump to what's your vision and oh, what what is your right, vision? Right. Tell me about your vision. Mm -hmm. And so instead of just doing the same boring thing, I'm just like, you know what? I'm illegally sighted because I always, you know, I know what legally blind means, but um, yep. <laughs> but I always thought that was weird, like a weird term. So I'm like, you know what? And then I must be illegally sighted, and then I just that, I started using term, that. And uh, I think <laughs> in a way we should be we should be um, you know trying to get that into the mainstream really? as yeah. as the new term <laughs> yeah, for vision loss. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that, that just became my YouTube name, so that's how that came about. Yeah, and cool. it's, it's very cool. What kind of videos can people expect to see on your YouTube channel, then? Uh, there's a lot, actually, and they're, they're divided into playlists, so people can find what they're looking for. There are low-vision spotlight videos. Those are videos where I look at a game, like a mainstream game, that I can play with the vision that I have, and you have nice. to have some vision to be able to play. There are PC and iOS accessible games. Those are more either voiceover accessible games, audio games, self-voicing games, those types of things. Cool, cool. Um, I have hardware reviews. I have some kind of geek stuff. I just put a video up yesterday of like the coolest toy ever collectible thing that I got ever. Okay, um, hold there on, hold are. On. You can't just drop that without telling us what the coolest or, or toy I, ever is. I guess all right, you can all right. if you want to send people to your. Well, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I'll give you a sneak peek. It's. Let's just say uh, if you grew up in the 80s like I did, mm -hmm. you may like uh, a little series called The Transformers, uh -huh. and I have the coolest Optimus Prime robot ever. Nice. It's awesome. Awesome. Okay. I can yep. get on board with that. Um, yep. Yep. And, um, but yeah, and then I also cover VR accessibility, oh, nice. virtual reality, not Ooh. voc rehab, but uh, v uh, yeah, right. <laughs> virtual reality accessibility. I've been, we'll talk about that later, but I've been advocating for that for the past several years now. Okay, cool. that Very all good. sounds uh, awesome. all sounds excellent. Now, Jesse, I do have to ask you, and well, we need to get to our joke of the week, obviously, because we can't miss out on that. But just before we do, that, Jesse, I do have to ask you, what's your favorite game of all time? Oh, mm. uh, you know, I I would say the original Doom Ooh, because okay, good choice. It, it's a classic, mm -hmm. and people are still modding it today. Wow. Um, and I should also mention, as a related note to that. Uh, in the last couple of years, I've actually been kind of working with a guy, testing a couple things. And, you know, like I said, there are modifications that people make and new, all new games from the Doom engine, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there is a project called the Toby Accessibility Mod that, that makes the game playable. There are currently three different level packs, so probably about 20 levels or 18, 20 levels or so that are totally blind playable. And nice. I cover so that on cool. my YouTube channel. It's great. And this is, uh, so th this would make it uh, an audio-based game then, is that the idea? Uh, it, you still have the visuals, but yes, okay. you can play it by audio. Like he set up the controls there, he's added extra audio cues so you know where things are. And um, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. Uh, that's uh, okay. That's awesome, and that makes sense because you do have the Doom guy, I believe, as your uh, as your Absolutely. icon in uh, YouTube. Yes, I did notice that, and I also put it in uh, the email that we sent out just to say. I saw that. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, okay, well uh, let's. Uh, we've already got a bunch of things in the chat going on here, so we, we will get to those. But before we get there, we've got to do our traditional and much loved oh, joke of the week. Much so something. As much something. Yes, maybe loved isn't the right uh, the right adjective there, but. Uh, uh, Jesse, if you know the answer, please feel free to chime in. Anybody else in the chat, if you know the answer, please feel free okay. to chime in as well. Corey, if you know the answer, you just keep it to yourself, all right? Because we don't want to ruin it for sure. everybody else. I talk enough. Okay, all right. So <laughs> here we go. The joke is the following. Which breed of dog can jump higher than buildings? Which breed of dog can jump higher than buildings. Now, while everybody's having a think about that, we did have a joke in the chat here oh, from Kenneth. So, Kenneth, yeah, thank you for your joke. Kenneth's joke, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and again, Jesse, and you can join in on this. Oh, thank you. Right. This one I can. Okay, what happens when a frog's car dies? It croaks. It croaks. It croaks. Now, that yeah. actually is a great answer, which isn't the, uh, the quote right. unquote correct answer, but I do like that one. <laughs> all right. okay. That's where my mind went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, that's not uh, what we get. Uh, what would happen if your car broke down? He'd have to use his frog legs. No. Uh, if your car broke down, what, what are you going to do? It's got to get to the repair shop. Toad. Toad. Uh, all right, all right. We went that angle. All yes. Right. I do like uh, if anybody would like to say in the chat whether they prefer Corey's answer. The car croaked. Yeah. Let's see yeah. if anybody knew the answer to my joke. <laughs> okay, what was your story? What dog jumps higher than a... What breed of dog, what breed of dog? can jump higher than buildings? I feel like it's a skyscraper. Mm. You're going down the wrong path there, I'm sorry to say. And nobody Eagle. seems to know the answer. I'm the, not sure. Doodle. Jesse does not know. No, okay, the, no. the simple answer, of course, and this is just logic. Great. It could be any, any dog breed because buildings, they can't jump. Wow. <laughs> you know, I didn't think that this joke corner hour 
could really get Indeed. lower. <laughs> that's, that's I, I honestly bad. thought that was a good joke. I was quite disappointed by the reaction. If anybody liked that joke <laughs> in the chat, please let us know. Um, personally, I enjoyed it quite a lot. Okay, let's read some of these uh, these comments before we go any further here. Wow. Uh, Anisio says that we are cutting in and out. I believe that's your connection, Anisio, because I did see somebody else in the chat saying that it sounds fine, and it sounds fine on our end, so apologies about that. Um, Erin. And I assume we're going to get onto this, Jesse, so you don't necessarily need to answer this sure. now, but Erin says okay. that, uh, says, I have never tried VR. I've always wondered how that would work with my low vision and color blindness. And uh, Jesse, I think, will be getting onto that as mm -hmm. we go, so I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to hearing the answer to that. Sure. Shirley sent us an email and also in the chat here asked the same question, yeah. uh, whether uh, we can talk about the Darkroom and Blind Legend. And Jesse, I do believe that you do know about that, those games. Is that correct? Um, yes, I do. And okay. uh, cheap plug, but I'm pretty sure I've covered both of them on the channel at some point. Okay, oh, brilliant. Go. Okay, so uh, Shirley, we, we'll, we'll make sure to talk about those a little bit today, but also feel free to go to the Illegally Cited YouTube channel. And uh, also, yeah, so we did get a lull from Dawn. Oh, good. With regards to the joke, but unfortunately... Probably to the frog joke. It could have been to the frog joke. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> we did also get a face palm from Lynn. So, oh, yeah. 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 Lynn, I need one of those face palms, please. Yeah. <laughs> That's two face palms. <laughs> All right, Jesse. So I think a good place to start here, and this is somewhere that Corey could also uh, talk about as well, sure. is uh, talking about some of the, the history of accessible gaming, and maybe also what we mean when we're talking about accessible gaming with regards to vision loss. So Jesse, why don't you, uh, why don't you mm -hmm. start here? Um, well, sure. Um, I guess growing up, I really, there really weren't all that many, if any, um, like blind accessible games, like audio games that I really recall. You know, I grew up back on the Atari 2600, mm -hmm. NES days, those types of things. So I, you know, back in the original days almost. Um, but when we refer to accessible games, uh, especially now when the game accessibility whole kind of topic is really taking off mm. the last few years, um, you know, it can encompass a lot of different things. You know, you know people with wide ranges of abilities, disabilities, that kind of a thing. But as far as blind accessibility, um, <clears throat> it could be a combination of audio narration, could be haptic feedback uh, mm -hmm. to let you know things. Uh, it could be... Let's just, uh, sorry, like, let's just stop on that term haptic feedback just a second for people who oh, aren't sure. familiar with what that means. Why don't you explain that a, a little bit? Sure. Um, well, haptic feedback is basically like touch feedback. So a lot of controllers these days have built-in rumble technology. The PS5 has an amazing haptic feedback system. So, like, there's a game um, called Astro's Playroom, I believe mm -hmm. it is. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the diff it's super crazy. Like, when you walk on different surfaces, the controller kind of vibrates, and you it feels different, like, when you're on metal versus wood or if there's, like, rain happening, or yeah. it's really, really cool. So with the PS5 controller, the haptics are built into the triggers, the adaptive triggers, and so that you're too, essentially yeah. talking about feeling little vibrations coming through, but the, mm -hmm. the, the way in which those vibrations can transmit information these days is pretty remarkable. And, it, and it's interesting that how haptics, you know, they're not just for gaming. I mean, any mm. voiceover user... Oh yeah. Uh, when you bring out your phone, and you know, by default, when voiceovers on, you get haptic feedback. When you yep. swipe right and left, you feel that little vibration. When you hit the mm -hmm. home button, you know that's another example of what haptic feedback is. Yep. Is yep. Used and it really that. helps. Uh, what what it also helps with is it kind of it kind of helps spread out information a little bit because if you get too much via audio, you got sound effects and music, and then you mm -hmm. got narration. You've got some other audio audible cues. There's so much going in the audio field, so if you can kind of offset some of that with the vibrations and the haptic feedback, then you know you can kind of cut down on some of the audio noise and busyness. Yeah, that's and a it great helps point. for immersion as well too, mm -hmm. right? You yep. know, especially yep. for individuals who are low vision or blind. You know, any any way that you can get more immersed into that game mm -hmm. through audio, through uh, haptic feedback, is going to make that that and more enjoyable as well yep. mm -hmm. and and provide information yeah so what else do we have jesse we got the uh we got the audio we've got the haptic feedback what else what other types of accessibility things are we looking at here 
Well, the tricky thing about games is that every game is different because there are so many types. You know, you have racing games and puzzle and, you know, open world adventures now mm -hmm. and, you know, all these different things. And so it kind of depends on the game genre or game type, uh, what things are needed. You know, if you're in like an exploration game, you're a character and you're exploring someplace or you're, you know, shooting enemies in like a war scene or something. Um, those different types of things, like, you know, how do you get around a 3D world how do you, without getting lost, like without wandering aimlessly? How do you detect friendly, you know, friendly allies or enemies where they are? How do you find um, items that are collectible? You know, you got to pick up uh, a quest item or ammunition or new weapons or whatever it is. So, um, or stay on a track in a racing game. Yeah, yeah. So I think... I think the interesting thing about gaming is just the, the path that it's taken. So I remember back in the day, uh, back in school in England, we had some BBC computers um, or maybe Acorns we could have had as well. I don't remember exactly. But um, basically, the games that we were playing at that time were all text-based. Sure. And uh, they might have <clears throat> graphics, but the graphics were literally static images. And uh, the idea was that a scenario would be presented to you and you would need to type in, uh, you know, your response to the scenario. And mm -hmm. commands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So there's I like simple verbiage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's like simple verbiage you could use to do various things. Now, those have the capacity to be completely accessible because, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're talking literally about text here. Mm -hmm. um, so were, were, those, were those types of games accessible? Corey, I think you had been talking earlier about some games that you remember. Was it those types of games that you were playing? Some of those were, but then, you know, it was also the, the, the problem that you faced then. So inherently, those should be accessible, right? Yeah. They're text-based. Mm -hmm. yeah. But a lot of it then came down to what engine, how, what platform, how were they presenting that right. information to right. you, right? could the screen reader access the text that was being provided. Right. Um, nowadays, you a lot of those are, are quite accessible. You've got, you know, MUDs, um, what is, yep. is that multi-user? Multi-user dungeon. Dungeon, yeah. And those are typically text-based, if I'm not mistaken. And there's been, you know, tons of work on on MUD clients that make all of that accessible. And nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I played some of the DOS games back in the day that were sure. kind of those, uh, that were those um, text-based games. And some of, there's been a couple of them that have actually been ported uh, to iOS. I can't oh, remember what cool. they're called, but they're there. Yeah, and yeah, at iOS there was a there was the one I can't think of the name now too that was sort of um, text based where you Desteno games. There was one you were on a you I think? were on a planet and you you went and looked at a spaceship. Oh, I can't think of the name of it. Oh, I nuts. played no. that. I think I covered yeah, that one. But it, that was yeah. again that's that same kind of um, I almost want to. I don't know if you would refer to them as role-playing games, but basically it's you know it starts out with your an example would be you know you're in a room in the room there's a couch a uh, rug on the floor and a picture. And then you would say like, examine rug or lift yeah, rug exactly. or yeah, walk yeah. north. And, or, if you, you know. and if you want a modern interpretation of that, actually a lot of your smart speakers, especially the A word, oh, yeah, sure. yeah. Um, they, there's a lot of ty those types of adventure games where instead of typing it, you just speak it. And so those types of games are yeah. Uh, quite a few of those on the Echo devices. That's awesome. The yeah. Magic Door is a is a yep. one that was one of yep. the kind of original popular ones. Same, yeah, you're right. Same thing. A scenario is presented, and then you give it commands. Mm -hmm. that's, that's extremely. There's accessible. some escape rooms. Yeah, I mean that's that's really great because you really don't even need to know a keyboard at that point. I mean, no, it's oh, yeah. just it's yeah, all, purely it's all, speech it's all audio. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think uh, is isn't Skyrim available on uh, the A word? <laughs> Uh, yes, it is kind of, That's it's crazy. kind of a joke, like a parody, but oh, okay. yes, it, it, no, it, but it is it, like, there is sort of an adventure to it. Yeah. Like I remember watching that at the, it was a few years ago at the electronic, uh, entertainment expo or E3 sure. conference, yeah. they streamed mm -hmm. it and they were talking about some Skyrim announcements for the main game. And they're like, Oh, by the way, here's this <clears throat> goofy little, um, echo thing. And we thought it was yeah. a joke. And then literally <laughs> like uh, about half an hour later, we found out, oh, no, you can actually play this as a skill. And I well, tried whole, it a little bit. It was funny. With, the whole thing with that game is just it's notorious for releasing on every single platform. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. actually another remaster edition coming out, I think, on Monday or Tuesday, 10-year anniversary. So, yeah, crazy. Skyrim. Yeah, good it's game. Everywhere. But maybe, uh, maybe release in a few two places at this point. 
Um, okay, so in the chat here, Erin says that um, they do not like to play racing games or first-person shooters because they can't visually follow what's happening yeah. and follows up with Overwatch is a nightmare. I would say both of those games require good reactions, and so you need to be visually in a place where you can provide those reactions. Yeah, um, there, yeah. there are getting to be more whether it's first person or third person where it's kind of right behind your character, kind of like you're a cameraman over their shoulder. Mm -hmm. um, there are games like the last of us part two that came out last year, which is phenomenally accessible. And there's been other games where they've had certain modes or mods that people have put in where um, somebody created a halo mod. I think it was for halo four or five. Mm -hmm where they had a map where people could play um, blind blind, and it worked well. Nice. And there's a, uh, what is the mode called? In Gears 5, mm -hmm. they added some extra audio cues so that blind players can actually play that mode. So, so let's just uh, focus on those a second. So with the Halo mod, um, I'm assuming this is a, a user-made mod, and so you need to be playing on PC. Is that the case? Um, well, no, actually, because Halo has a system. The modern Halo games have a system called Forge. And so it's kind of like a map and game type editor. Uh, and so they kind of created this um, kind of a more like simple map. And um, it's really, it's, it's just meant to be like, so, you know, with the audio and everything, especially if you're playing with headphones, uh, you can hear like where the enemies are. And it's, nice. a, you know, you're not going to get stuck in a really complex environment um, until they add more actual audio cues to allow that to happen. But uh, yeah, I've seen a little bit of gameplay about it. Nice, nice. You know, you haven't tried it yet myself. Um, right. You know, I think there's there's a couple, almost. I don't want to say there's two main categories, but I think that um, there's kind of two categories I think of when I think of gaming. First is the you know mainstream games like the mm -hmm. one you mentioned, Last of Us Part Two, mm -hmm. where it is a, an off-the-shelf mainstream game that had mm -hmm. that had provided tons of different accessibility features to make it per, you know 100% playable both for someone with low vision and people with with no usable vision at all. Yep. And I almost think and and I could be wrong. I don't keep up with gaming nearly as much as as you do Jesse, but I it from my understanding Last of Us Part 2 is really the first mainstream game to to really go all out right from release. Is that would yeah. you agree with that would you say? <sighs> Um, yeah, so a quick sort of modern overview. Um, the Last of Us 2 is definitely, I would say, the game that has is probably the best example of like not just blind and low vision accessibility, but they said, you know, I, I remember when they released their blog post right before a couple of weeks before release, and there was like over 60 accessibility features catering like to pretty much everything. Yeah. Yeah, um, I played through it, loved it. It is definitely an M-rated game, though, just to let you guys know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. But, um, it, you know, it, it was a fantastic game. And there are a lot of games right now, like I said, that's what's cool is, you know, you have your traditional audio games, you have your text-based text games. Um, but, like, mainstream games, I think as this becomes more of an industry, industry trend, you know, a lot of Ubisoft games are starting to, you know, they're not perfect, but for... A lot of them are having menu and user interface narration. Mm -hmm. um, they're not, I wouldn't call them totally blind accessible because a lot of their stuff is open world and you have to figure out how to get around the world and they haven't put that stuff in yet. But every game, you know, they release, it gets one step closer. So, you know, within a few, you know, within a few years, uh, we probably will start to have some more different types of games. Uh, Microsoft, Sony, um, Nintendo, not so much, yeah, they unfortunately they yet. But be, they haven't seemed to jump on that accessibility. No, but uh, like yet. like Forza Horizon Five, which is an open world racing game. Yes, if you're totally blind, you have to rely on some of the more of the driver assists, like steering and braking assists, um, to get around because they haven't quite figured. They haven't quite put in like a a navigation system to let them manually steer as well. But there are some blind players who are totally navigating the open world via the in-world GPS and driver assists and winning races. So it is That's awesome. kind of playable. And uh, those Forza Horizon games are excellent. 
Oh, yeah, I, 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 ha- I, ha- I have it on my new PC, and Excellent. I'm hoping to play it here today or tomorrow. Yeah, Forza yeah. Horizon 5 just released, Again. so uh, that one yep. is, uh, that one is definitely Game Pass. worth checking out. Yep, yep, exactly. And, and so I was saying before, you know, there's two categories, and I so saw <clears> you've got these main, you know, mainstream games that have some accessibility features that have been provided to make it more, a little more usable for low vision, and obviously we're talking about a very visual medium here, so there's no <laughs> question that low vision users will always have an easier time playing the video games. There's just no way around that. Yeah, it still can be Um, tough, but for sure. Yeah, yeah. But then you've got a category of games that have been made specifically for individuals uh, who are blind. And these are, you Mm -hmm. know, these are more either text-based or or I think of of the kind of classic audio games where Mm -hmm. it um, is, you know, strictly audio cues and, and every the whole world is all done via you know uh, audio landscape and the nice mm-hmm. thing about those ones is i think those are the types of things you're more likely to find on an ipad or an iphone or an android device so not needing mm-hmm. to buy a specific games console to have access to yeah them. yeah um, exactly yeah, so, yeah uh, they're we, they're most common i would say uh, audio games and those types of products are more uh, mobile and PC because PC, PC yes. has been doing it for you know 20 25 years that's, now yeah that's but. what I think back to is my you know I when I had I lost my vision when I was about 12 years old and prior to my vision loss I played a little bit of Nintendo I wasn't mm-hmm. a huge video game person but after I lost my vision I was looking for things to sort of do and and stay you know entertained and came across some some classic audio games from uh, BSC games, and then moved to um, mm-hmm. I can't think of the gentleman's name. Jim the company, Jim well, Kitchen. Yeah, the, stra- the yeah. kitchen sink games. Yeah, yeah but the yeah. Chillingham and Grizzly Gulch. Those were by. Um, yeah, I remember I those. Of, I can't think of their names. His names now, but I love the names um, of those games. And then you had you know Super Liam for Liam Irvin, who I mean, oh yeah, still does. he's a regular yeah. streamer and YouTuber. Yeah, great, great, nice. great content. But those audio games, <clears throat> those audio-based games, if you haven't tried one on 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 PC or you haven't tried one on your mobile device, it's definitely worth trying them out. Now, for me personally, I always, I've been, um, and and Jesse, I'm curious about your opinion on this. I struggle with the audio games because I had vision previously. Mm -hmm. And so I know what I'm, so this, when I say this, it's going to sound bad and I don't really mean it. No, I think I know where you're going. I, I know what I'm missing. You know what I mean? It's not No, absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that. And I'm, I was just curious, I was curious if that's something, you know, that you feel about audio right. games as well or. Um, yeah. So here's the thing. Um, and there, anytime a new audio game comes out, like if you go to, especially like the Apple Viz forums mm-hmm. or um, audiogames.net, <clears throat> those are two places where audio games really get discussed and announced and things mm-hmm. like that. Um you know, audio games are great. And I wish that even, you know, they don't, audio games don't have to necessarily just be for blind users. Yes, it largely benefits us. um, But just like how people listen to audio books in their car or while they're working or podcasts, like audio could just be another form of gaming, but just sighted players aren't really as receptive to that, it seems. But Mm -hmm. as far as, um, I know, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I was trying to figure out how to bring that up. Um, Yeah, as someone who is primarily playing mainstream games, you know, there's a lot more variety, there's a lot more complexity, there's just a lot more kind of replayability. And one complaint that you often hear from the audio game uh, players is that, you know, there's, you know, two or three different types of games that you usually find right, right. and they're rather simplistic. You know, there's not really a lot of re- you play it once and it's like, Oh, well, there's not really a lot of variety or complexity or replayability to them. Um, and, but what you got to remember is that, you know, a lot of times these are made by, you know, very small development teams, limited budget, yeah. that kind of a thing. And often made by blind or low vision gamers themselves. And another thing that I sort of thought about when I was talking to someone about this fairly recently was that if you, let's say that you are a totally blind developer and you really haven't had the chance to play a mainstream game, so you don't know what you're missing, all you're really familiar with is maybe your ideas and other audio games that you have played, um, you know, you don't really know 
what to design because it's like, oh, this is the way that actually mainstream games work. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of people who really get mad, overly mad, I think, about, you know, the lack of complexity and diversity in the types of games that are available to blind people. Um, But then you also have the issue of, you know, like, they are small teams and it's, you know, you want to, you want to charge, you know, you want to charge yeah. for them because you have to eat, you have to make a living. But, um, you know, people a lot of times ask for codes or ask for free codes yeah. or mm-hmm. um, it, it's yeah. really hard to make a, a living and sustain making for such a small market. I, and and that's I don't why think you can make a living. I mean, I hate. Yeah, to, that's why we we've seen so many audio this. games yeah. companies go under. Yeah, it, it, because I think. I th- you're right. I think the the individuals who are creating these audio games are doing the best they can, and absolutely the people they're developing for want want and expect more than what's possible. And it just mm-hmm. because I've seen so many developers burn out and just disappear because mm-hmm. they're just treated, oh yeah they're just treated horribly. And and it's tough. I That's mean, I, I get oh it. As sure a yeah no it is want, it you is want good stuff, I've... but you know yeah. it. I mean, I mean a, done... a game like The Last of Us 2, you're talking about hundreds or oh, even God, thousands yeah. of people working on that game sure. over a period of you know, four or five years. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. obviously, like, an, an audio game on an iPad is not getting and, that kind of attention. And The Last of Us, the return on their investment, because they're open to mainstream. primarily mainstream, yeah, yeah, they, can, yeah. they can afford it. But when yeah. you're making right. strictly a blind game, you're probably going to sell... And I could be totally off base here. I've never talked to a developer... But I'm guessing an audio game developer is probably going to sell a few hundred, a few hundred yeah. may, maybe a thousand copies of their game right. in a lifetime. And even yeah. that's probably kind of high. And when you come out with a game for 35, 45 bucks, then you get sli- then you get tons of pushback. Oh my God, how can you spend? How can you charge so much right. for a game? Yeah, right, right. So Do you know what side of people play it, for it their is, games? It is, a, yeah, <laughs> it, is, right. it is passion. They do yeah. it out of passion. Exactly. Right. Back. Uh, we have a question in the chat here, and uh, Jesse, you can feel free to answer this or not. Uh, Kenneth was wondering mm-hmm. what your visual acuity is. Uh, my, yeah, so my vision is really kind of bad. Uh, my left eye, which is my best eye, is 20 over 800. Okay. And uh, I believe my right eye is like 20 over 2200. So, oh, wow. yeah, okay. not great. Ken- so. Kenneth, uh, Kenneth says that their uh, VA is 20 over 750. So, uh, at least mm. in the one eye there, you guys are fairly Yeah, similar, we're pretty so. close. Yeah. I want to uh, just uh, take a slight detour here. So, we have been talking about accessible gaming, and I do want to talk more about some of the accessibility features that you might find in mainstream games. Uh, mm-hmm. But we talked about audio games on the, on the iPad and, and what have you. But I think it's also important to remember that these devices themselves do have their own accessibility tools uh, built in. So obviously, if you're using an iPad, for example, you have screen magnification, uh, which might be helpful. Let's say you're playing a card game. You could mm-hmm. use the screen magnification to enlarge uh, that if you needed to. Uh, we obviously have things like voiceover and talkback, uh, different color modes. Um, so there's those accessibility tools built into the devices themselves, which can make the games that you play on those devices more accessible. Uh, yeah, a lot of times you need those accessibility features yeah, so, to uh, make to, it yeah, accessible. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's important. But there are also accessibility features built into um, into mainstream video game consoles as well. We sure. did a video on accessibility in the Xbox One, for example, um, and it has similar accessibility features that you would find on a Windows PC because the mm-hmm. Xbox is a Microsoft product. Mm-hmm. So you do have screen magnification, you do have some form of narrator, um, you know, you do have some color modes and things like that. And the magnifier, for example, is usable within games. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if a game itself doesn't have an accessibility feature, you can use the Xbox's magnifier within uh, within the game. One... And I assume... Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, yeah, one caveat to that is the magnification, the way that the, a lot of these work on consoles like Xbox, PS5, is that they you turn them on, um, you you can't really use live do live gameplay while magnification is in. You're going to use it to kind of read something or look at something, right, 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 right. because it takes over your controls a little bit to yes. manipulate the magnifier. Sure, sure. yes, and that's funny too. Yeah. So I was playing uh, Assassin's Creed on the Xbox, and I zoomed in with mm-hmm. the magnifier. 
And then you can change back the controls. So you need to use buttons on the controller to zoom in. But right. you need those buttons for the game as well. Sure. So once you've zoomed in, you can switch the controls back to the game controls. But obviously, the limited field of view means you're not seeing everything that's happening <laughs> right. on the screen. Interestingly, at that point, so. sure. yeah, I mean, in The Last of Us 2, you know, I keep coming back to that game, but they really surprised the heck out of me because they had this really cool high contrast mode. Yeah. But yeah. they also had their own built-in magnifier that used the touchpad on the PS4, oh, nice. PS5 controller. Oh, that's awesome. And you could toggle it on and off, zoom in and out during gameplay. It was kind of wild and how well it worked actually uh, let's talk about that game a little bit more because i do think it's been a bit of a uh, standard bearer in terms of accessibility mm -hmm. and the interesting thing about it in terms of vision is it is accessible to people who are both blind uh, or low vision yes and, um so that you will find on youtube i know corey you've uh, enjoyed um watching videos on uh, that somebody who is blind, right, yeah. having and navigating yeah, that game, and in fact, you did buy that game yourself. I did. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't know that you've had much so of a chance good. to. Uh, I have to not dive yet. Into it, I know I haven't because I tried doing it without headphones, and I realized right away, like, oh, this is uh, not yeah. going to work. <laughs> yeah, no, you <laughs> definitely want to yeah. use yeah, headphones. Exactly. Yeah. So. Let, let's talk about how that game is achieving what it's achieving. Jesse, what types? You've already talked about the um, the contrast and the magnifier. Um, tell us yeah. a bit more about how the contrast works, and then also maybe sure. about how the audio side of things works. And so, so what's yeah, what's really cool is and i didn't when i went into it i knew that i would use some features especially like the menu narration and things like that mm -hmm. but i didn't know that i would use i really didn't use magnifier all that much but i did use high contrast quite a bit um so what's really neat is so you know this is an action game it's there's some stealth elements you can kind of play it however you want to um and there's a lot of navigation and traversal through all kinds of environments so it's a really complicated there's a lot of stu uh, stuff going on yeah yeah and the high contrast mode you basically it uses the, the the ps4 ps5 has a touchpad at the top middle of the controller and if you turn the feature on you just flick to the left and it turns this high contrast mode where Allies are blue, enemies are red, uh, interactable nice. objects like doors or objects you can pick up are yellow. Oh, you know, everything, the environment has kind of been stripped down and looked more like a you know, kind of a grayscale. I kind of called it predator vision because I would always use yeah, it in right. stealth mode. <laughs> um, but, you, you know, you have audio narration. But the coolest thing that I found to be so helpful is they had this, they basically went through all of their levels, all of their content, <clears throat> and there are there's a pinging system, audio pinging system, and navigation assist. So at any time, you hold down a button, and then you can hit either one of two other buttons. So I can ping the environment around me for any nearby enemies, and then I'll get an audio cue of, oh, he's over ahead of me and to the right. Very cool. Or I can ping for an object Maybe I need to pick up some supplies or an ammo thing laying on the on the counter, uh, and it'll ping for objects, and you hear them. Um, but then to get around the environment, all I believe it's was it the left analog. It's either clicking the left or right analog stick. It's been a little while, and depending on like if you're just moving around, it will guide you through the environment. And this and this isn't you know you're not just going on flat floors. You're going on hills and you know canyons and through you know city buildings and things and you're climbing up um vehicles to jump through second floor windows because the path is blocked so there's really complicated environments but it seamlessly guides you anytime you click the right stick it'll guide you toward the way you're supposed to go but if you do that right after you ping for an object or an enemy clicking that stick will guide you toward that item or enemy it's ah, super intuitive okay when you say there it'll guide you toward, how is it how is it doing that guidance? It, it basically turns the camera uh, ah, in in the okay. direction, so you just move forward. So if you just push forward on the stick, now you're moving toward right. Now you're aiming you toward, toward where it wants you to go, and huh. it's and it's and it's not just Amazing. toward the objective. You yeah. know, your objective might be up some stairs, turn left, and then jump over some boxes, and you know, it, it'll guide seamlessly guide you. And there are audio cues for if you need to duck, if you need to. Uh, you know, mantle leap over something, or if you're near like a, a drop-off ledge where if you fall off of it, you'll die. Mm -hmm. It'll it'll tell you that there, hey, there's a ledge here. Don't go any further. Um, cool. So it's it's amazing. 
Yeah, and I do know that accessibility is becoming more of a feature in, in mainstream games. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if, it's, you know, if you're interested in gaming, it's something worth kind of delving into and trying out. Yeah, and if you want to know more about, all, especially a lot of mainstream accessible games, um, they just did their, God, was it fourth uh, year, I think? The Game Accessibility Conference, or GA Conf, they have a North American version that they just had about a month and a half ago. Okay. And they have a European version um, that they had earlier this year now. And uh, the last few have been streamed online. And the GA Conf YouTube channel has all the sessions archived. Um, I actually did get to go down uh, to the 2019 version in person when it was in California, and I was on—I was actually on a panel of uh, three people that were talking about blind low vision accessibility. So I actually oh. got to be a panel member, but it's that a is super awesome. interesting conference, and it is now a two-day conference because there's so much content to cover and get through. And so if people go onto YouTube and type in GACON, then they should be able to find uh, GACONF. Some... Yeah. Uh, C-O-N-F, okay, G-A-C-O-N-F. Yep. We should be able to fi find some videos of that uh, conference. Yep. Um, cool. Let's. Um, I wanna. So I wanna make sure that we hit these two games because Shirley is very keen to learn about the Dark Room and Blind Legend. Can you remember anything about those games, Jesse? Um, yeah, a Dark Room is. Um, I played it on iOS, and you start out. It's you know rather simple. You're you're kind of in this dark room, and you have to keep this fire lit because um, there's stuff in the darkness or something that kind of, you know, it'll get you. Um, but as you start kind of building out your base or building out kind of your, uh, your home base, essentially, um, then you start being able to go out into the world and look for resources, but then you have to find items. You go back and you kind of make weapons and things. You kind of, you start out very gradually and you kind of spread out in the environment. There are enemies, so you have to kind of craft weapons and like healing items and I played it for quite a while, but I never really, I, I don't think I ever finished it. Okay. And I see this is um, an audio game, is it? Um, it's actually, there are some sound effects, if I remember correctly, but it is, you use voiceover to play it because oh, okay, it's basically okay. a lot of okay. text. There's some buttons and links and stuff. Okay. So and that was, it's so a voiceover game. It sounds like game. it's fairly, fairly involved. You know, we were mm -hmm. talking about yeah. how these games oh, are yeah. always the most yeah. complex. But. The, yeah. And Another, they definitely have gotten better. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a really good modern one, if you're looking for a voiceover accessible game, is Sortie Quest. Um, that one is a, it's an audio, or it's, it, it's visual and audio, but he's done a really, it's a one-man developer, and he's done an excellent job of, it's an audio role-playing game, and you go through, like, the world map, you're fighting dudes, you're going on quests, you know, there's dragons, and it's cool. you know it's pretty solid, and he's adding yeah. new content and accessibility features and fixes all the time. I would play it just because it's called Swordy Quest. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't get yeah, a better yeah. name than that. Um, the yep. other game that Shirley was asking about was uh, Blind Legend. Do you happen to know anything about that one? Yeah, Blind Legend is that's more of an audio game. That is, okay. um, it's on PC, it's on mobile. I don't remember if it's on Mac or not, um, but I've played both the PC and the iOS version. And it's kind of like an audio, like a story adventure game where, you know, you're, um, you're this guy and you're like, you're traveling, you're sword fighting. Um, Is that the one Jesse, where there was two that came out, uh, blind legend. And there was another one. I can't think of the name of it now that came up together. Is blind legend. The one where you start out, you're a knight and you're being walked through, the town and you have to follow your daughter or your yes your daughter's ye yes. kind of yelling for you and you follow so yep, and you follow the voice exactly so okay. she'll be like over yeah. here dad uh, okay, and so you yeah, go okay. there so cool. yes. which i which i really one of the things i brought the way I, the reason i brought that up is what what's cool about that game and and i love that they used a character for your navigation so it keeps mm -hmm. you a little bit more in the game versus like a beeping yeah, or yeah, something yeah. you know it's cool oh, follow and, my voice over mm, here you know yeah and there's been several audio games that kind of do that similar type of thing one of the mm -hmm. recent ones that is out on pc and believe it or not xbox so if you want another accessible game to play on the xbox platform mm -hmm. the veil um, that was the that was the other one I was trying to think of. Just yeah, the veil just came out yeah. a couple months ago, yeah. um, and that was they did similar stuff with that one. I played all the way through that one, uh, and that was pretty very good. Cool. Very very cool. Okay, um, just, just recently, I'm just curious, real quick, if you don't mind, uh, mm -hmm. Luke, is uh, yep. uh, Jesse? Have you done it? We were talking about mods before. 
And um, I've seen uh, just recently now that Hearthstone has yes. been made accessible oh, nice. with mods. Now, I, my understanding of Hearthstone, it's kind of a, a role-play-based card kind of game? Yeah, sort of, right? I would I'm... compare, if you're familiar with the concept of something like Magic the Gathering, mm -hmm. where you have, like, different cards that represent, like, uh, creatures or spells, uh, that kind of a thing. And, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a fully visual game. And currently, the mod is only available on the PC version. So, like, Hearthstone is available, like, everywhere. But you can't play it on iOS. You can't play it on <clears throat> any other platform because you do need the PC mod. And I have um, I have covered that game on the channel. I streamed the first couple hours of it on oh, Twitch. Cool. So, cool. yeah, it, it's they did a remarkable job with yeah. it, actually. And people love that game as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, oh. So let's say that I'm a PC user and I want hello, to. PC user. I'm a PC. Hello, my name is PC user, <laughs> and I would like to find some accessible games. Can I uh, go to, for example, Steam or the Microsoft Store and type in accessible gaming and find uh, oh, find good some, some good games? Well, uh, I don't know that Steam has user tags that people can put in. I don't okay. know if there's any accessible tags. Microsoft just announced. Um, sometime in October, uh, they announced that coming soon, the Xbox and Xbox, like the games for PC store mm -hmm. are going to soon have, uh, different tags for like accessibility features. So if you're oh, looking right. for Good that stuff. kind of content, yeah. uh, as things are starting to do that. So, you know, things like the veil or, um, stuff like that. Sure. And, you know, other mainstream games, the, the, some that are really popular for totally blind players, um, some they may or may not have accessibility features in them specifically, but fighting games are very popular sure. because you're, you're basically you're two people left and right and you use the audio cues of the environment yeah. And, yeah, totally. and the characters noises. Corey and I played uh, some <laughs> Super Street Fighter we did. 4. So I played with oh, my yeah. son on his yeah. PlayStation. We play. Uh, yeah. yeah, so we had uh, yeah, we had one uh, one round. Well, we had, you know, it was best of three. Yep. And mm -hmm. uh, I believe that Corey won. I, well, I think I yeah. beat you when you were sighted. You beat mm. me when you were blind. That's right, yeah, I forgot <laughs> I did that. Yeah, I closed my eyes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesse, would you say if, if for, for Mr. PC over here, here, and actually, not even just Mr. PC, uh, but any anyone. Would you would you say AudioGames.net is one of the best resources to to go to, or where? You yeah, know, what, what you'll you probably find. Like... Yeah, you'll probably find the most coverage of, especially games that are designed for blind, visually impaired audiences. Mm -hmm. Audio games, that kind of a thing. You'll find that there. Um, there are some game. There are some mainstream games that are on Steam that are accessible two that i specifically want to mention sure. is um again the pc version uh of skull girls which is a 2d fighting game it's fantastic it is the oh, before the last of us 2 this was the game that i saw first that had the like the mainstream game that had the most comprehensive accessibility because what they did they originally started out with kind of a text-to-speech hack that would use like the clipboard and put it to your screen reader. But basically if you have any screen reader running and you launch that game, um, everything just like the menus, the move lists, like everything speaks. It's pretty, nice. pretty great. So and the other just one, download the regular version, that's going to have, yeah, there's nothing else you got to download. Very just cool. run your screen reader and launch Skullgirls. Is that a Japanese based? It's a, thing? like a, Two, it's a 2D fighting game. It's more tag team based, kind of like okay. your Marvel versus Capcom sure. type of thing. Um, but the other one I have to mention is Sequence Storm. It is a, it's a rhythm racing game. So you're familiar with things like Rock Band Guitar Hero, where you have this kind of track mm -hmm. of notes going down this kind of note highway. Um, this is, a, again, a one-man development team, and he's made two blind accessible modes, one in particular that's really solid. Mm -hmm. And not only is there a blind accessible mode, there's menu narration, there's accessibility for like other things like uh, hearing, uh, like, you know, adjusting difficulty, motor disability, accessibility features. Awesome. Awesome. And during the story mode, they've even gone so far as they have these little like, you know, like pictures or animations whatever for the story mm -hmm. the text is narrated but he's also gone so far as if you have the speech on in the game um he's actually added descriptive 
information about the pictures that are on oh, the screen. And that took me by surprise. I'm like, wow, that's sure. dedication. Yeah. yeah, there's some people out there doing, doing some great work by the sounds of it. And we're just, yeah. at, the, we're just at the beginning stages. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know? We I, are. I think back to you know, seeing uh, voiceover added to the Mac or narrator in, in Windows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're just at the beginning of, of mainstream accessibility. Yeah. And it's just going to get better. It, it really is because mm-hmm. there's so much more focus on it these days than mm-hmm. there ever has mm-hmm. been in the past. Again, the return on investment is there. Yeah, yeah, know? exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, so we only have 10 minutes left here, and I don't want to finish out without talking about VR, because I'm oh, absolutely sure. fascinated in, in, uh, with this. Uh, so, Jesse, tell us all about accessibility. Well, first of all, describe what VR is, and then tell us about accessibility in terms of VR games. Sure. Okay, virtual reality is, um, you know, you think about, uh, like, Snow Crash, Ready Player One. Um, you have this virtual reality headset on your head, mm-hmm. and you're looking through, you know, these these kind of screens, glasses, types of things, you know, you have uh, headphones on and you're actually put into the world. So you're, yes, you're looking at screens, but when you're, the way that VR works is when you're in an environment and if you have some usable vision, like it's so hard to explain until you actually experience it, but like you have this extra layer of 3d immersion to it. So like if I'm in like a small room or closet, it feels like a really small room. If I'm in this giant cathedral type thing, like I look, I literally look up, I can turn my head in any direction. Yeah. And it looks like I'm in this giant open space. It's, it's really It's tricking incredible. your brain into making you believe that you're in yep. the space that it's yeah. represented. Yeah. And it's I'm curious, because, because the screen is right there, nice and bright uh, in front of your face and nice and large and everything, does that help with you perceiving the image? 100%, because... Okay. That was one of the first concerns because I've always been fascinated by VR. And actually, my first experience with VR, I got a sneak peek when I was actually uh, doing a, uh, something at the University of Washington in 1995. I saw a giant, like, mounted to the ceiling prototype headset that somebody <laughs> was working on. Nice. So I had experience with that. But that was my main concern because, like, you go back to your last um, uh, episode here with the Iris Vision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have these traditional other AT products, you know, like, um, I don't I won't name specific names, but this, the problem with those is that they often had these, I, I would compare it to the screens were often the distance. So it was like holding a, yeah. like hold a roll of toy, uh, a tube of toilet paper yeah, yeah. up to your eye. So you're yeah. looking through the device itself Sure. Before you get to the actual image. And that is just enough depth to really make it very difficult for Mm -hmm. people with more uh, extreme vision loss like myself Mm -hmm. to be able to see it. And that was one of the things I was most excited about with um, things like the Oculus Rift and Oculus Quest because it was right up in front of your eye. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, so with the Iris Vision, that's uh, why that device has been popular because you are completely immersed in the screen right there, right in front of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense that VR would be helpful as a gaming platform for people with with vision loss. Oh, okay. We have have a VR. Yeah, I want to mention a few things about VR in particular because it has its own very unique set of challenges. Okay. I do have on the channel a uh, playlist dedicated to VR accessibility where I explain this in more detail, including a presentation I did uh, in, uh, for ID24 in 2017, Inclusive Design 24. And the problem with VR, and it's really cool because it actually made me realize some different things about how my vision worked in the real world. Because you're not looking at like a flat screen image like a regular game. Mm. Um, if I'm in an environment or a game in VR, I have some of the same issues that I have in real life. Like on a flat screen, I can just get closer yes, or I can magnify it. Well, in VR, um, like on the flat screen, I love to play first person shooters like Doom and mm-hmm. Left 4 Dead. Problem is in VR, they don't really have aiming reticles in the center of the screen. They have you aim down the sights. Ah, okay. And especially looking at things in the distance... I can't do that very easily in real life. And so I can't do it very easily in the game. Likewise, one of the very common things that happens is that for menus and dialogue boxes, you know, tutorials, settings, menus, those types of things, 
what happens is there's a like yes you're in the world so the cool thing about what they call six degrees of tracking where i can look left right up and down or i can move in any direction Mm -hmm. but the problem is is a lot of the user interface stuff what they'll do is they'll say okay we designed this to be we want it to look like it's three feet away from you so the environment itself i can kind of move or lean in any direction but the menus and kind of flat screen type interface stuff that they put in there it's a fixed distance so if i move forward it moves away from me by that same amount if i move back and it's so frustrating (laughs) Mm -hmm. it is beyond frustrating so i've had to come up with all kinds of weird like accessibility workarounds just to even like getting into like the game or adjusting settings is honestly some of the hardest things to sure. do in VR for that's, me. That's a shame. It is. Well, it is. What they need to and do is program in a virtual magnifying glass that you can hold up, you know, and yeah. magnify whatever's on I the mean, screen. I mean, but you say, but that's no, that's, that's well, serious. Yeah, that's, that's what I No, no. Exactly. Here's the thing. Be perfect. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing, and the 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 project was. I found out that it was more of a research project over, like, for an internship, and it was. They never really took it any further than an in-lab prototype, but Microsoft, just like they had done Seeing AI, Mm -hmm. they had this product called Seeing VR that they were experimenting with, and it it had like high contrast modes, magnifying, you could use your pointer, Mm -hmm. because when you're in VR, you have motion controls, and you kind of usually, the interface they use is you point at it like a laser pointer, and when you pointed at something, it would, you know, it would read what you pointed at, read it aloud, I'm like, I want this tool yesterday. Yeah. And now I was Microsoft so sad to see it go away. The Microsoft don't build their own VR headset at the moment. No, um, but I mean, I guess headsets are compatible with the Windows platform, like, oh, like yeah. the Oculus. Yeah. Although actually, no, the, the Oculus Quest Two is running on its own operating system, right? It's no longer connected to anything. Uh, no, they haven't mm-hmm. done that yet. Well, oh, okay. well I mean, so I... they have the 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 Rift which is what I got in like when VR first came out. That was like right, 2015. Right, right. Yeah, that connects to your PC. The Quest is a standalone headset, but now they've added the capability where you can hook it up to your PC okay, and use okay. it kind of in place of a Rift. Sure. I see, I see. Um, I so you can my, do both. Uh, uh, um, Sebastian, I have a 10-year-old son, and he he saved up, and we just got him a Quest 2 a couple weeks yep, ago. I have the original yeah. Quest. I don't think I knew that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got, he got I have the original. Right before, yeah, right before okay. we left for Florida, we got it. Oh, but nice. I'll have to okay. bring it in. But yeah. I was thinking, you know, one of the... One of the uh, so you know, I, I, I've I've put it on. I have no usable. I have some vision, but no usable vision. Right. So there's no way I can use it. But putting no. it on, I think to myself, Jesse, like, what a this is the sort of the future of gaming because I oh, it I, has so much potential. Yeah, for audio based. I mean, if you get if if they you know really do a good job of spatial audio with that. Oh yeah. You could easily um, have audio games that you're. You know, your, your, or, or mainstream games that you're using oh, yeah. audio cues um, I mean, to be doing, you know. Yeah, there's a simple horror game that came out like way back when, like shortly after VR launched. There's a game called Dread Halls, and it's a simple kind of like dungeon crawl. Like you're in a dungeon, you're, there's a lot of narrow hallways, smaller rooms, but you're immersed and you're holding this lantern and you're just trying to find like these, you know, this little item, like a key mm-hmm. or something to escape the room. You're finding lantern oil and things, but there's like these things that chase you. It is with the audio, it is so immersive. It's one of my yeah, favorite cool. yeah. uh, experiences. But I do really want to mention really quickly mm-hmm. if you are interested in VR or even augmented reality accessibility, you know, think about seeing AI, Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in either types of those technologies and accessibility, I would definitely recommend looking at um, XR Access. Uh, okay. It's an organization I learned out learned about last spring ish, and I've been uh, you know there's no cost or anything, but they're always looking for developers or people with experiences, people with disabilities uh, who can you know have their own experiences that kind of a thing. So xraccess.org. Okay, great. Yeah, okay. I would definitely recommend it, checking it them out. It is definitely the future, and as yep. you mentioned with AR too, I know we got to wrap up mm-hmm. here. Yeah, with I AR, could talk about this know, augmented ever. reality. That that's going to be the future of um, j- uh, just our mainstream technology. Mm-hmm. iPhones, Androids. There will be a time where. 
you no longer are carrying a, a phone or you know you're wearing AR glasses. Why do I answer the brain, yeah. baby? Well, you know, and it probably yeah, I don't it know could about be, that. but that, yeah. just for those that aren't aware, you know, the the VR, the difference between VR, virtual reality, and AR, augmentative reality, is VR you're fully immersed in that mm -hmm. world. AR we are augmenting or changing the world around you. So one example that I usually give to people, or I you know think could potentially be a use for this in the future is you're walking down the street wearing these glasses or this phone, whatever it might be. And uh, a, a guy, you know, somebody walks up to you and above their head, their name and the last right. time you saw them pops up. Mm -hmm. And so yep. like, oh, hey, Jim, it's been a while. You know, so that's that kind of an example of AR where we're changing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> changing. Like I want, I want like a pair. There are different types of, there's like the Envision glasses right now, but I'm waiting for an open platform glasses system that you can put a bunch of different apps on. Mm -hmm. Like I want seeing AI to just like, Oh, I want to look at some text and I want to know what that sign says just with mm -hmm. my glasses. I'm that's what I'm waiting for. I'm looking at subway. I want the menu to pop up excessively mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I can see what, yeah, I mean, there's just so many, so many use cases. And, and then oh, yeah. from a gaming standpoint too, it would be amazing. I mean, really you could turn, almost any environment around into you a into a game. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what yeah. Pokemon Go did. Yeah, exactly. you know? Oh yeah, exactly. You see actual in-game things in the real world. So you got a yeah. bunch of weird people walking around like pretending they're yeah. like shooting dudes in there, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's, uh, we need to wrap up here, but let's just yeah. go through a couple of questions here. Um, Aaron says, would it even be possible to program uh, the game so that this fixed menu distance can be changed? And yeah, I mean, it would be possible to, to program it so that if you leaned in, it Some became bigger. Some games do. Yeah, sure. yeah. So it's not impossible. It just depends on the developer actually thinking yeah. about the needs yeah. of people. Basically, yeah. what has yeah. to happen yeah. is that the menus have to be part of the environment and not just like at a fixed exactly. thing. So not things like job it. simulator sure. are yeah. really good about that. Yeah. And then uh, Shirley says, uh, wants to know, you had mentioned a racing game on uh, iOS. I think it was uh, the one that's like a rhythm action racing kind of crossover. Um, she was wondering what the name of that game was. Oh, it's actually PC and ah, okay. uh, it's Sequence Storm. Is there any racing it's games actually free. on iOS? Uh, uh, there are. I there mean, are the only one I can think of is I mean is um, for who who's the who's the developer that has like a hundred and fifty oh blindfold yeah blindfold I know they mm. have a blindfold racer yeah blindfold um racing. there should still be there I think there's audio rally racing I think that might be still on there um, there's another one I think the same company it's oh what is it called Space Wave Race. So so many of these unfortunately <laughs> came out like Papa Sangre and Nightjar. Oh. Some really awesome audio games, games, but they just they weren't kept up, and that's the real hard part too. Yeah. Nope, not they lost. We were talking about the hard part of developers mm. creating yes. the games, but so many of them don't keep them up. Then through all, well, the they just lost their funding. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's because yeah. those two I just meant those were great. Oh, ones. those yeah. were phenomenal. Yeah. So never throw away your old devices. Is basically. I still have that. an old phone for those There you go. There you go. Audio Defense Zombie Arena was so good. Uh, Anne says, what is a good beginner game for an elementary age student who is low vision or blind? Any recommendations there? Ooh, Definitely not Last of Us Part 2. I'll tell you that. Uh, no. no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I have. Oh, that's tough. Because it depends on what types of games you want to play, like a sure, puzzle or. or yeah. Or like a card game, or Let's throw there's a couple so of much names out, out there. there. If there's just anything, any genre, any, take a look at some of my playlists. Oh, wow, Speaking of which, let Keep me plug. put there your you go. let me put your YouTube into the chat here. So YouTube.com forward slash illegally cited. You know, okay. We mentioned for iOS. You know, we we just mentioned blindfold games, mm. and you know, I, I think. I think that's a whole separate discussion that we don't need to have today. But I do mm -hmm. think for a beginner gamer, uh, sure. audio game based uh, person, especially if we're talking a younger student, I think those yes. blindfold games are actually quite good to sort mm -hmm. of introduce you. And there's, nice. there's so many different ones that you can oh, find. Oh, there's a ton of them. I think there's yeah. like over 80 of them. And, oh, it's, wow. and it does a good job of teaching you the, the techniques and the, and the, the makeup mm -hmm. of games. And, and not only just moving and navigating around your some, device, too. So. Yeah. yeah, some are more audio-based. Some are more voiceover-based. Mm -hmm. If you want the ultimate trippy experience uh, for iOS, you really need to try um, Black Box. Okay. It is so good because it's not... You don't just play the game within itself. It actually 
<clears throat> you have to think about how you use the device. Like maybe you got to use this, the tilt sensor, the accelerometer. Oh, maybe cool. you got to use the brightness sure. or the, awesome. the muting. It is a, like a fourth wall breaking experience. It's I love, really I love cool. that type of stuff. That's really awesome. Black All box. right, well, we do, got, we do got to wrap it up here. So just yep. before we go, I'm going to plug our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash in focus technology where you will find a recording of this event and all of our uh, tech talk lives go up yeah. there now we do release other videos on there as well and we have a lot of videos already on a different assistive technology products uh, however um we haven't had anything really interesting to talk about um over no, the last few weeks but i do think i don't think i've told you this yeah um, I think we're going to have a, a Tech Talk Live and a video coming up. Oh, okay. Because uh, we just got the brand new Blind Shell oh, 2. Oh, yes. Blind Shell Classic 2, yes. Um, and yes. I think that uh, we just got them, we just got our shipment in, so we're going to use them. I think we'll do a future, maybe the next Tech Talk Live, because we're still waiting. Okay. Our special guest, I think, still needs a little bit of time. Okay, so fair enough. So, yes, uh, we, whenever we have anything interesting to talk about, we do make produced videos as well as live streaming uh, these events. So yeah. keep your eyes on that channel. Sounds like we might be doing the Blind Shell Classic 2 next time on Tech Talk Live and making a video. Um, so, um, yeah, do keep an eye on that. Uh, let me just, uh, just before we go, I just need to type in the uh, YouTube again for the illegally cited because I didn't send it to everybody, which is always a problem. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Corey. There we go. We try that again. It's youtube.com forward slash illegally cited. And uh, for our channel, youtube.com forward slash in focus technology. And with that, Jesse, thank you very yeah, much thanks. for joining us today. It's been Great. an excellent chat. And, yeah, no problem. Uh, it was fun. Awesome, awesome. And uh, we look forward to seeing everybody in two weeks' time. Goodbye for now. Bye, guys. Later. Thanks for joining us for another Tech Talk Live. If you enjoyed Corey and Luke's antics, join us again in two weeks. To register, visit vision-forward.org slash tech talk live.